I remember the darkest moment of my life like it was yesterday. It was just a normal Sunday night. Every single Sunday night growing up, it was deemed family night, okay? So every Sunday night, no matter what was going on, no matter how we felt, we're having family night. So it was, the night was going great. We were all there together. My mom, my dad, my two sisters, my girlfriend at the time who would become my wife. We were all there um, having dinner. Everything was going great. We're laughing, we're eating. And then out of nowhere, I get a, I get a call from um, a family member of mine. And, you know, this type of, you know, this family member is someone who I love, but he didn't call me just to see how I was doing all the time. He would call me if something was going on, if there was something he needed to talk about or whatever it may be. Um, and in that moment, we're, we're at dinner and I answer my phone. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he, he let me know, um, like, hey, I don't know what's going on. There's something going on with your uncle. I don't know what's going on. His, his kids were there. So my cousins were all at this house and you know, we didn't know if he was alive. We didn't know if he passed away, but something was wrong. And he's like, hey, I need you to go over there. So I got up from dinner. I, I, I left the house. Everyone's like, what are, you, what are you doing? What's going on? I didn't want to tell anybody to freak anybody out in case something um, wasn't a big deal or, or anything, but I just left. And I remember on my way driving to his house, he lived in Oldsmar. He lived three minutes away from me. And I remember just crying out to God. I didn't know what was I was about to walk into. I didn't know the situation that I was about to come into, but I'm like, God, I don't know what's happening. I pray for healing. I pray that he is alive. I pray that everything is okay, please Lord. And I just begged and begged and begged. I remember pulling up to the house, the ambulance was there. A bunch of my cousins were there. And the second I walked into the house, I remember I was like, he's gone, he's gone. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act. I'm, I'm like in shock. I didn't know, I, I couldn't cry. I couldn't do anything. I was just like, I just felt numb. Like, this is like a bad dream. Like my uncle, he, he's not just an uncle to me. This person was, was a friend to me. Um, he, was, he was really like a father figure to me in my life. He would come to all my baseball games. He'd, he'd be coming to all my football games. He's the guy yelling at the referee at my, my basketball games. Like, this is, this is my guy, man. This is like a father figure to me. And I was, I was just in shock. And... You know, my family, we're the type of family, if something's going on, we don't just text each other and, and call each other, hey, is everything okay? You know, everyone came to that house that night. Um, you know, my, my grandparents, my, my other uncle, cousins, my parents, everyone started coming to this house. We started coming together, we were praying, and it was, it was like the worst night of my life. I remember my dad getting out of his car and him running to me, cause I was there first and I knew a little bit more than everybody. And he's like, what is going on? What, what is happening? And I remember looking at him and I'm like, he's gone, man, he's gone. And I'll never forget the look on my dad's face. I'll never forget it. And for the first time in my life, I was holding my dad up physically from just shock, from despair, from I'm holding him up for the first time in my life, my entire life, he held me up. 
my entire life, when I was going through something, when I was going through pain, he'd be the one to pick me up, to be there for me, to hold me. And it was just so hard to see that reversed, to be like, hey, it's gonna be okay, man. It's gonna be okay. It was hard. My uncle, my cousin, his son was driving there and, and he, he, he was a little bit away, he's away. So he's one of the last people to come. And I remember him jumping out of his car and, and running straight to me. And he just hugged me and he's like, what happened? I was like, he's gone, man, he's gone. And I'll never forget the, the cry that he let out and the scream of just like shock. I'll never forget it. It was, it was a difficult, difficult night. And in that moment, our family together separately went through a very, very difficult time, a big time of darkness in our lives. You know, for me, I was like, I've got to be strong. Everyone, everyone is, you know, this is their brother. This is their, this is their son. I've got to be the strong person to, to be strong and just let me, let me hold you, man. But all in, inside, all I wanted was someone to hold me because I was going through it too. But I was like, I, I can't let them see me cry. I can't let them know that I'm hurting too because that'll just make the situation even worse. I, it was difficult. And in the, in the months and in really years to come, I battled a lot of things in my life. I, I didn't even know how, not if I wanted to, but I was like, how can I get past this? How can I live in this? This was like a dad to me and he's gone way earlier than anybody ever thought that he would be gone. Why God? There was nights I would cry in my bed alone because I didn't want anybody to see me. And I would, I would scream to God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? And more than anything, walking through this entire thing, I felt like he wasn't even there. I was like, God, this is the time I need you most. Where are you? Where are you? I was in the darkest pit of my life. I was going through pain. I was going through depression. I was going through battling the will to live and I did not feel God. Every single person in this room, you all have a different story. Every single person watching online, we have all battled things. We have all walked through things where we questioned, God, where are you? We all battle pain. We all battle sadness and loss. We all handle it differently. But we all have come to a moment in our life where we question, God, where are you? That's what we're gonna be talking about today. The title of today's message is, where is God when it all goes wrong? If you guys wanna bow your heads and pray, I'm just gonna say a prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we come here today to hear from you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that today, whether someone's watching online or they're in this room, God, I pray that if someone is going through pain, that they're going through loss or, or, or just going through a difficult time, God, that you will comfort them, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you open our hearts and you open our ears to hear from you, God, that you reveal yourself in a new way to us and show us how good you are. 
As we walk out of here, as we turn off this video today, God, we will know that you are right by our side, that you haven't forgotten about us and that you love us. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, right now, y'all, we are in a message series that is called From Pit to Palace. And in this message series and in this message today, we're going through the life of Joseph. If you know anything about Joseph, if you know anything about his life and his story, there are many times where I'm sure Joseph thought to himself, God, where are you? God, where are you? So week number one, if you, if you haven't been here, I'm gonna give you just a quick recap. Week number one, we talked about walking with God in a dysfunctional family. Now, how many of us can be honest and say, I got a little dysfunction. I got a little, a little bit. But we, we, we all have family dysfunction in our lives, the things that we have to walk through. Now, the, the, the story with Joseph, he had extreme dysfunction in his family. So his dad, Jacob, made it very, very clear that he is the favorite child. Okay, now as parents, we all have a favorite child. For me, it's whoever is not disobeying me in that moment. So it changes by the hour, by the minute sometimes. But it was clear as day, Jacob's favorite was Joseph. He gave him a coat. It was beautiful. No one else got a coat. He had a much easier life than everybody else, but his family dysfunction was real. He had multiple stepmothers, multiple stepbrothers and, and stepsisters all living under the same home. It's like an episode of Maury right there. You know, it's just dysfunctional, weird, like what is going on? Well, here's the thing. The brothers, eventually they're like, we are sick of Joseph. We are over him. We're going to take him and we're going to kill him. And as they were about to do that, they actually was like, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. We'll tell our family that he's dead, that he's gone. And that's dysfunction. That, I mean, that's crazy. Jealousy and, and all these different things. So that should make you feel a little bit better. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit better. But last week we talked about, you know, when your dreams get hijacked, you know, Joseph, he had these dreams and maybe that's part of the reason why his brothers didn't like him is he had God's favor over his life. And God gave him a vision saying, listen, your family is going to bow down to you. So Joseph just popping out and saying, hey, y'all, you're going to bow down to me one day. And, and obviously that did not help the situation, but he had these visions. He had these dreams of, of really great things in store for his life, but he was sold into slavery. So there's a lot of times when he's walking through, he's like, God, why am I being sold into slavery? You've put a calling on my life. I'm supposed to do amazing things for you. But he became a slave in Potiphar's house. And while he was in Potiphar's house, he was elevated where he was put in charge of everything inside of Potiphar's house. He, he was in charge of the other slaves. He was in charge of everything. He had found favor yet again. He even found favor with Potiphar's wife who was like, man, this is a strapping, good looking young Hebrew man with broad shoulders. He kind of looks like Pastor Glenn. He is a great looking guy. And she tried to seduce him. And, 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 and Joseph was like, I am not having any of that. This is where the phrase run for us, run came from. Joseph ran. He was like, I'm getting out of here. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a man of good morality. I am getting out of here. Now, when he ran, Potiphar's wife held onto his cloak 
And she went to her husband and said, this Hebrew man has come here to make a sport of us. He's coming here to take advantage of us. He tried to seduce me. He tried to throw himself on me. She told her husband and he's like, well, we can't have that. Threw him into jail. He was in jail, wrongly accused, wrongly put in there. But even while he was there, he was put in charge and he was elevated. So you see this, this pattern starting to form of even in the pit, even in the cell, God is still with him. But today we're going to be looking through Genesis 40 and 41. There's a lot, a lot of scripture in here. So we're going to be paraphrasing some of this, but feel free to open to Genesis 40. um, And we'll just kind of get into it. So there was two people in prison with Joseph. Now, you know, in jail, it can get kind of tough. It can get kind of lonely. So they're talking one day and the first one is Pharaoh's cupbearer. The second is the chief baker. Now, both of these guys, they had dreams and they, they knew that there was significance. They knew that they meant something. They didn't know what it meant. So they were seeking questions and Joseph was like, listen, I can tell you what your dream means. He told the cupbearer, your dream means that you're gonna be released, that you were gonna be put back into the same place that you were before. You are about to get out of here. And he said to him, I rec- my only request, after things go well for you, please remember me. Please remember me. I am wrongly imprisoned. I did nothing to deserve this. I should not be here. Now, the other person was the chief baker and he told him, you're gonna be released too, but you're gonna be put to death. And the way that he was put to death, you can read through Genesis 40. It's a very, very gruesome way to die. But here's the thing, both of these dreams would come to pass. And when these dreams came to pass and both of these guys are out, he's like, surely the cupbearer will not forget about me. There's this level of hope. He might even have seen a light at the end of the tunnel. But in Genesis 40, 23, it says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. First of all, what is wrong with that guy? Like, come on, man. You have, he told you to drain the, and then you just, up and forget about him. But I'm sure there was this level with Joseph, like this is my ticket out. I'm seeing the light. The Bible says that he was in there for another two years after that. Now you may be like, man, 2020 was yesterday. You know, that's two years ago. This time just flies by. When you are not in good conditions, time stalls. It almost stops where minutes feel like days. And and it just, I remember being in third grade. Y'all remember that? I was like, I am never going to get out of this reading class because I'm in third grade and I still can't read. I'm like, I am in prison. I thought I was in third grade for like three decades, but but it was so much worse than that. He wasn't getting released and and going to play in the yard and, and, and having time with the community, community and other people in jail. It was tough conditions, but this is where he was. This is where he was, and, and, and maybe you're in here today or you're watching online and, and you feel like, man, I'm in a pit and this pit is lasting so much longer than it should. It's lasting so much longer than I ever could have thought. There might even be a moment in, the, in this pit in your situation where you saw a light at the end of the tunnel and then out of nowhere, it's gone. Even though Joseph was in that cell longer than he thought, 
even though he went through so much being sold into slavery. Some, some scholars believe that he was enslaved and imprisoned for 13 years. That's what some people believe. So he was in there a long time. I want you to know this, God did not forget about Joseph and God has not forgot about you. God has not forgot about you. I don't know the situation or the things that you're walking through or what you're dealing with inside of your mind. You may feel all alone and feel isolated. I want you to know God is right there with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is close to the broken hearted. But what do we do in our life when we walk through these situations? When we're at our darkest, lowest moment and we feel like, man, Christ has left us, what do we do? The first thing is, remember this, sometimes God has to break us to make us. Sometimes God has to break us to make us. There are times in our life where God wants to bring us to a place of desperation to know that there is no way I can get past this. There is no way that I can get through this without the hope of Jesus Christ, without him being the rock that I stand on. In those times, what he does is he uses it as an opportunity for us to rid ourselves of things that aren't from him. Bring us to a place of repentance, a place where we can get rid of pride, of greed, dishonesty, lust, unfaithfulness. He doesn't want that in your life. He wants to turn you into the person that he created to be. You know, in, in our culture in America, it has, you know, we can, we can get anything we want like that. Amazon, you don't even have to wait a day anymore. It comes at five o'clock. That's the last stop. You can order something and it's at your house while you're out. It's, it's insane. Now this, this life of this land of opportunity, this land of prosperity, it's great. But what it's done for Christians is it has made us far too comfortable. It has made us far too comfortable. I have a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't believe in Jesus. And I'm like, why? I'm like, bro, like, I, I want you to believe, man. Like, why, why don't you believe in Jesus? He's like, why would I need Jesus? He's got everything he needs. He's got a car. He's got a house. He's got a dog. He's got kids. He's got a wife. He's got everything that he could possibly need. Sometimes God brings us to a place of disparity, a place where we have no choice but to rely on him. I had these two students. I, I, I used to take them home almost every single Wednesday night and they have family in Brazil. So over the summer, they would go home for like two months to Brazil to see their family, see their parents, see um, their cousins and all these different things. And when, when they got back, I'm like, tell me about your trip, man. How, you know, what was it like? What was the culture? What was the church like that y'all went to? And I'll never forget, he looked at me. He's like, man, church is there, bro. They're different, man. They're different. I'm like, what do you mean they're different? He's like, those people are on fire for God. Those people are crying out to God. They are giving their everything. I'm like, man, I want to do that in youth, man. How do we get there? He's like, I was like, why do you think it's that way? He's like, they don't even know if they're going to live the next day. It was a really rough part of Brazil. He didn't know if he was going to make it through. They didn't know if they're going to see tomorrow. They relied their entire life, their actual living on Jesus Christ. They clung to that hope. They clung to God. This right here, this is a stained glass piece. You may look at this and be like, that's hideous. I'm an old soul, okay? I like stained glass. 
it, I think it's cool. Um, and um, I, I like it, so whatever. But so this right here, this, this is beautiful to me. I, I think it's so cool. You know, the roses, they represent life. It represents livelihood. It represents so many different things to me. But one of the things that I love about stained glass uh, is the process and how it was created. You know, it's, it, it's whoever the artist was had an, had an idea of what they wanted to create. They, they made a mold, they made a stencil. And what they did is they took glass and they cut it and they broke it to get it to exactly where it wanted to be. Now, this glass right here, this, this represents you and me. You know, this right here, we, we are comfortable right here. We're comfortable right here. And, and we don't want anything greater than this. We're just like, hey, life is good. Everything, you know, I'm all together in, in what God does and he allows us to walk through things in our life. He allows us and he begins to, to shape us and mold us and cut us into what he wants us to be. He takes it, you know, and that, that process right there, being broken, it's not fun, it's painful, but there is purpose in your pain. What God does is he takes your story, your brokenness, your shame, the things that you've gone through in your life, it's not by accident, it's on purpose. Because what, you know, the Bible describes us, he, he is the potter. He molds us into who he wants us to be. He takes our brokenness and he builds something beautiful. But what it takes for us is to say, you know what, God, I want you to take my brokenness. I want you to take my shame. I want you to take my regret. I want you to take all these things that I'm like, man, this is a mess. This is a mess. How could this ever be? And he turns it to be something beautiful. And what he does is he brings glory to his name through our brokenness. He takes our mess. It becomes a message. It leads other people to him. So when we go through things in our life, you say, I went through that too. I went through that too. And here's how I got through it. This is how I relied on God. He used that pain. He used that broken piece in my life to make something beautiful, to make something beautiful. But he, he allows us to go through some, through difficult things so we can be the person that he wants us to be, the vessel that is ready to be used by Jesus Christ the vessel to have a masterpiece bring glory to his name. And so we can learn to rely on him. This right here, this is a common theme in the Bible. We saw it with Joseph. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing it with David. We've seen it with Job. God will allow us to walk through difficult things to bring something better than we could ever imagine. Something better than we could ever imagine. Imagine, I want you to know this, we serve a faithful God. And when we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us. And I don't know the pit that you're in, I don't know what you've come in here carrying today, but Christ is saying, give me your broken pieces. Because what I have for you is something that we could never even fathom. God is faithful. In Genesis 41, Joseph, he's still in jail. He's still there, but Pharaoh has a dream 
And, and the Bible says that Pharaoh was disturbed by these dreams. He, he didn't know what it meant. He knew there was huge significance and it was disturbing him. So he called on wise men and these magicians to, to come and to interpret his, his dreams. But the Bible says no one could do it. No one could do it. But in that moment, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. He remembered Joseph and said, hey, there was this guy when I was in jail who, who interpreted my dreams. He, he did this for me. He told me that I was gonna get put back into this position, that I was gonna be released, that I was going to live. And Pharaoh's like, let's go get this guy. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And this is what it says in Genesis 41, 15. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that, you, that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. And this was his response. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. You see a huge turn in Joseph's life when he had this dream that was from God. And he went to his brothers, maybe with some level of pride and was like, listen, here's this fantastic dream I had. You all are going to worship me. This is the dream. This is what it means turning into a place of humility where he says to Pharaoh, I can't tell you what it means, but God can tell you what it means and God can set you at ease. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Maybe there was this level of pride in his life and through the situations and the things that he walked through, God was beginning to mold him and change his heart to bring him to a place of humility, to bring him to a place of reliance solely on God. And in this moment, and you saw it all throughout the story, grace is falling on Joseph's life. The grace from God because he was humble. Point number two is if, if God has appointed you to do something, he will see it through. When God has appointed you to do something, he will see it through. There are people in here, there are people who are watching right now. God has put something on your heart. Maybe it was from a long time ago, maybe as a child, or maybe you were in high school, or maybe you were in college, or maybe it was when you just got married and God put something on your heart. And you're like, I still haven't done it. I haven't, I wanna do this thing so bad. I wanna have this ministry. I wanna I want do this thing to help people, whatever it may be. I want you to know Christ will see it through. When he has appointed you to do something, he will see it through. Pharaoh, he told Joseph his dream. And Joseph interpreted this dream through the power of God. He told Pharaoh, this is what your dream means. There's going to be seven years prosperity. There's going to be seven years of a great harvest and it's going to be followed by seven years of famine, a famine so great. It's going to wipe everything out. It's going to be so bad that everyone is going to forget about the good seven years. This is what your dream means. He even instructed Pharaoh, this is what you need to do. You need to put someone in charge. You need to put supervisors all over the land. You need to have people gather one fifth of the crops, put it away in a storehouse, store it away for the seven years of famine. So we don't starve. We're gonna have food to eat. We're actually even gonna be able to help other people. That was his suggestion. And his suggestions were well received. Genesis 41, 39 through 42. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly, sorry, I lost my spot there. Clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. That same exact day, Pharaoh was in jail. That same exact day, he was wondering, man, what is going on? God, where are you? To where God pulled him out, where God put him in charge of all of Egypt, gave approvals, told people what to do. When we're in that pit, when we are in that cell, it is so easy for us to get caught in our thoughts. It's so easy for us to get caught in sadness, in depression, filled with anxiety, filled with no hope. It's so easy for us to do that. And here's the thing, Joseph, he could have so easily gotten stuck in that way of thinking. Possibly 13 years enslaved and in prison, but he was faithful to God. And he knew God would see it through. He knew God would see it through. When God has appointed you to do something, he will see it through. I remember coming on staff into ministry. I, one of the few times in my life where I was clear, God instructed me to do something. That was when I came on staff here at the church. I've never been in ministry. I've never spoken before. I've never prepared a message. I, I never did these things. I have a bachelor's degree in business. I didn't know how God would use me, but God said, this is what I've called you to do. And, and as I was coming in, I, I didn't know how it was gonna work. I didn't know how to lead a program. I knew how to lead a team. I knew how to do these different things, but and, and I was caught in my mind. I was like, how could I ever be like the other youth pastors here before? How, how could I do this? They, they, they've done it so well. They've done it for so long. How, how can God appoint me to do this? And he showed me very, very quickly, just trust me. Just trust me. It's not about being qualified. It's not about being good enough. If God has appointed you to do something, he will see you through. God appointed me to lead this youth group. God appointed Pastor Marcelo to lead this youth group. God appointed Danica and Johnny to lead this youth group. And through trusting him over the last two years, it has grown 200%. Every single Wednesday night, there's over 250 kids in here. Some, sometimes 400, 500 kids on special nights. It is unbelievable. There are times I step back and I'm just like, God, you're showing off, really. And he's doing it. He, he really, really is. And here's the thing. There are prophecies on this youth group that there will be a revolution, that there will be just all these different things coming through these students, that it's going to bleed into this, into you guys. It's going to lead into this congregation that it will happen. It's just the beginning of what God wants to do in these students. And it is going to bleed into y'all, but it's going to start there. We fight our thoughts. You know, the enemy, he wants to attack us. He wants us to feel weak. But when I'm weak, that's when I'm the strongest man. Because with Jesus Christ, me and him, we make a majority. I'm not strong. But when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong because that's when I'm relying on Jesus Christ. Those thoughts can tear us apart. 
They're intended to harm us. Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The enemy doesn't want you to give God your broken pieces. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in the calling. He doesn't want you to know what true freedom is. He wants you to feel defeated. But when we give God our everything, he will see it through. Point number three is this, remember God's faithfulness in your darkest times. If Christ has done it once, he can do it again. If Christ has done it once, if you read about it in scripture, it's still happening. It's still taking place. We serve the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know the situation that you've come in here with. I don't know the pit that you're stuck in, but what I do know is I serve a big God. I know that God is in control. I know that he is on the throne. I know that he can change lives. I know that he can change futures for what the enemy means for harm. He can take this and make it beautiful. He is faithful. Psalm 62, two. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress where I will never be shaken. In Christ alone. He is my rock, not me, not because I feel like I'm strong and I have these abilities in my education. It's not about your job. It's not about where you went to college. It's not about any of the things that you feel like make you good or strong or able. The only thing that makes me able, the only thing that makes you able as a believer in Christ is the foundation that we put our feet on every single day day, the salvation of Jesus Christ, the rock on which I stand. Earlier, I was talking about my uncle in the situation that took place. How in the world could anything good come out of this situation? He was young and he's gone. He was married, he had kids. How in the world could something good come out of this? Here's the thing. I, I'm not glad it happened. I miss my uncle every single day. But what I'm able to see through this situation is how good God is, that he can take a situation that's so sad, so to me messed up and make something good out of it. You know, in my life, I, I, went, through, I went through a couple really dark years, really, really hard. But for me, I felt like I was in a pit and I didn't know how I was gonna get out. And after years of being in that pit, I got to a breaking point and I realized this won't fill it. The things that I'm trying to fill it with, with substances and in all these different things, it's not going to work. It left me wanting more. It left me more broken, but I got to a place of disparity. And in that pit, I raised my hand up and God pulled me out. He pulled me out and now I'm in a different place. I'm a completely different person. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to put on worship music. I don't want to listen to the same stuff I used to listen to because Christ has changed my life. He is my salvation. He can conquer. He is faithful in every situation. His stepson, Marcelo, he's a pastor here, my cousin. Listen, Marcelo was bad, okay? He, I remember him coming to you and I'm like, that's a bad kid, man. And, and he went through years of, of really struggling too. He was walking through darkness too, but God brought him to a place years down the road 
his senior year of high school and got a hold of his life. This was the thing that pushed him to God when he realized I can't fill it with anything but Jesus Christ. This void's only made for him. I remember him coming, uh, seeing seen after, after his life transformation, he would come to our young adults ministry. And I'm like, this guy's faking. Like he's just trying to get a girlfriend and leave. But it was a true, I've told him that, but this was, this was a true life transformation. It was unbelievable, but that's what Christ does to people. He changes something that looked completely different. He didn't even look the same. His, he had a, he, his smile was different. His eyes looked different. Everything about him was different. Even in my dad's life, there was depression. Yeah, that's what God does, man. But, he, but even in my dad's life, he, he was fighting depression. He went through a dark, 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 many, many years. But through this, Christ gave him a new heart. He gave him a new energy. He gave him renewed strength. He went through a dark, dark time. But through that dark time, God showed him what true joy was. Every single person in this room, we all go through things. Every single person, we all go through pain. We all go through loss. We all go through different things in our life to cause pain. My question to you today is, what is the foundation that you're standing on? I can promise you this, a storm is going to come. Winds are going to blow. Chaos will ensue around you. This life is not perfect. You are gonna go through different things. And if your life isn't built on Christ, and that is not your foundation, the house will fall. The house will fall. But when our life is built on the rock, the rock of my salvation, when our life is built on Jesus Christ, I will not be shaken. You will not be shaken, not because of who you are, not because of what you can do, but because of who Christ is through you. When I'm weak, I am strong not because of me, but because the Holy Spirit is inside of me, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. I don't need to be afraid. I have nothing to worry because he won't fail. He can't fail. He can't fail. And because of that, I can still have joy in chaos. I can still have joy. I can have peace when everything around me is falling apart and that wind is blowing and that storm is here. I can have peace, not because of my strength, but because of my, because of Jesus Christ, because my life is built on him. Right now, we're gonna be going into a final song. And in this song, I wanna, I, let's worship, man. We are here. And in my opinion, we're far too comfortable. Christ wants us to rely on him. He wants to take everything that you keep hidden, everything that's in the dark, everything that is your worst secret, nobody knows, he wants to take it. He says, give it to me. In the name of Jesus Christ, there's restoration. In the name of Jesus Christ, there's hope, there's forgiveness. There is life changed work it comes to this and turns to that. So let's stand to our feet and let's worship this morning.
Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause He's never let me down He's faithful through generations So why would He fail now? He won't got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense so I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength cause I build my life on Jesus cause he's never let me down he's
Phil, would you sit down for just a moment? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. This is maybe the most important moment of the service. I know that some of you have heard this message or maybe just based on what's going on in your life, you feel God drawing you to himself. And maybe you've never fully trusted your life with Jesus. Maybe it's never really sunk in that salvation is a gift and not something you could possibly earn. The New Testament teaches us we do not earn God's favor. We are not good enough. That Jesus died because we can't be good enough and gives us salvation as a free gift. And he rose from the dead to give us new life in him. The Bible says that anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you today and you're like, you know, I think it's time. It's time that I receive this free gift and turn my life over to Jesus. In just a second, I'm gonna ask if you want me to pray for you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God and me to pray for you. I'm gonna count to three. You can slip up your hand. As soon as I see it, you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up in the air. Yes, thank you. I see your hand and yours and yours and yours. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. I want to do that now. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, you've, you've seen the hands, but more importantly, you see the hearts. And each of these people who raise their hands is someone that you have loved since before the foundation of the world, long before they were even born. And when you sent your son, Father, it was for this person who raised their hand, each one of them. I pray, Father, that this day they would receive your grace and this gift. Of course, they don't deserve it. None of us do. But just receive that gift of forgiveness and live new life in Jesus' name. You know, for the sake of all those people that raise their hands today, would you say a prayer after me, everyone together? And if you're saying this prayer for the first time, raised your hand and you sincerely mean this in your heart, because the Bible says that whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, God answers yes to this prayer. And would you just repeat after me, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know I've done wrong, but you sent your son to die for me. Forgive me, and I ask you give me new life. And I make you Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is God good? Listen, if you pray that prayer for the first time, in a moment, the altar prayer team will come down to the front. And as people are leaving in a moment, after I say a blessing over you, feel free to come up to anyone in the altar prayer team. We have a free book for you called A Fresh Start with God. It's just we found it helpful when you're starting this journey with Jesus. So would you stand with me now to receive a blessing? It's a Holy Week blessing. 
I want to encourage you to, if you follow us on social media, just pay attention because we'll have something coming out every day for Holy Week this week. And it's wow, so special. Our Friday night, Good Friday service will be so, so sweet. So would you just turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving or lift your hearts up for the Lord. May the Lord bless you with his favor, with his grace, with peace. This week, may you see Jesus in a new light. And may the love that he has for you flow through you to other people. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. There's no police detail today, so be very careful leaving the parking lot. I love you, church. Thank you so much for spending time with us here today, Countryside. If you decided to follow Jesus and put your faith in him, I want you to know that is the greatest decision that you have ever made. Your new life starts today. You are a new creation. We want to celebrate with you. And if you need prayer for any reason at all here at Countryside, we are here for you. Do us a favor, go to countryside.cc slash prayer and let us know how we can be praying for you. That's all we have for y'all today. So I'll see you guys back next Sunday.